0: Hello, I'm Dr. Jennifer Pierce, and welcome to Singular XQ, the podcast about digital transformation. I'm here today with Anika Sharma from Mindtree. Anika, can you introduce yourselves to our audience? Yes. Hi,
1: I'm Anika Sharma. I, I lead a portfolio of retail and consumer good brands at Mindtree. I also teach the subject of digital, social, and mobile marketing at the Stern School of Business at NYU. So it's a subject obviously very close to my heart. I think I'm an end consumer. I use digital in my life uh, and and it's important enough for me to teach it, to work in it, to have a point
0: of view and a fierce point of view on it. Awesome. Your presence on LinkedIn is something that really made me want me me to have you on the show. Aside from us having colleagues in common and things like that, you have a really strong presence and a really strong point of experience in digital transformation. So we're going to get started. I've heard you talk quite a bit about the impact COVID has had on digital transformation and the acceleration of digital transformation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I I think you know I'm I'm
1: and and really a big shout out to the healthcare workers because you know as the wave continues I think it's so pure, it's it's so therapeutic and you take a step back to realize the impact that these workers have had and they put their life at stake right to take care of people who had to you know landed up in the hospital, but I do also believe that along with those healthcare workers what really saved me was Netflix in me in particular, <laughs> you know, I went from, oh, we can now work from home. We don't have to be on the road. And then, you know, went straight to binge watching, you know, various shows. Obviously, I thought that would last months, but it lasted a few days. And then we all went back to work. And I think our workplaces and our home places kind of merged, right? So that was the first thing, right? There was no, you know, full stop on one place and there wasn't another. And because we had no place to go, I think we continued to work more. And because we had no place to go, People who were working with us started setting up meetings at 5 in the morning, at 11 in the night, because we had no place to go. The other thing I think that happened was, I remember I used to work with a lot of business-to-business clients. And, you know, we used to talk about customer experience. And I remember every time I would tell people this is... Really glitchy as an experience, you know, whether it was a website or an app or an email. And I'm like, why does this look so blocky and so glitchy? And I would be told, well, you know, our end consumers and our customers are all engineers. And I'm like, listen, I'm married to one, you know, and he's pretty cool. So, A, to think that your engineers are boring and they need something, you know, and that they're going to forgive you for a bad experience. B, all the young engineers that are coming are all using like really smart devices and they're expecting their devices to be smart and they're expecting the experiences to be awesome. So I think even that divide between, oh, I'm a B2B person at work and I'm going to wear that hat and then I'm going to come home and then I'm going to be this B2C person. And I'm going to, you know, look at Netflix and I'm going to have these amazing experiences at home. So i will be able to divide these two personas of mine, I think also, you know, went out of the window. Right. So we became one person. We became the employee, you know, we became the worker and the consumer, right? We became the B2B person and the B2C person. We became the person working, whether we were, you know, at home and we became the person living at our workplace. I think it all came together and it came together very, very, very quickly. And I think those are behaviors Jennifer, in my mind, that we will continue to study for a while because they are going to have a huge impact, not just on the technology transformations that companies will have to do, especially if they're going direct to consumer, but also on us as human beings and the way we consume everything around us in the world.
0: That's so interesting. I want to go back to something that you said about B2B and B2C for those in the audience who may not know what those terms mean, business to business and business to to consumer. I like how you're talking about how these things collapse into each other now. I've been seeing that myself as well. And I know that some people define digital transformation as the combining of employee experience with consumer experience, with business experience. And even I know some people that design engineer experience inside their yeah. code repos and things like that. So, can you talk to me a little bit about your understanding of digital transformation? Because that really sets that that conversation up nicely, I think. Sure.
1: You know, to me, digital transformation are two very big words. <laughs> you yes. know? And, and they make you sound so smart when you walk into places, and then you realize. And I've done this at like really large companies, you know, which are driving some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in the market, right? But I walk into the office and say, what is the point of your digital transformation? I've been a consumer of yours for 20 years. You have no idea who I am. And they get so frazzled, you know? And I'm like, it's true. If you in 20 years don't know what I love or like, or even the... The categories that are level, like, there is a problem, right? If I walk into a store and they don't know that I've been there before, that to me is, is, it doesn't matter how savvy you are as a company, that to me is, you know, a failure, right, on digital transformation. If I bought something from you and you continue to target me with that same product and say, hey, we would love for you to buy this. I think lens crafted this right. I you know I bought really expensive lens from them, and then they send me a promotion. I think by mail or something, and says, "Oh, we would love for you to buy you know your lenses from us." So I'm like, "Hello, I just bought them. Like, I'm I'm expecting a thank you gift, and you send me a promo that says that you know you should come in and buy lenses." So to me, digital transformation at the end of the day, and these are just three examples of them broken down, right, uh, or where they have failed. I think at the end of the day, it's about connecting business to consumers. Now that consumer can be your end consumer or your customer. At the end of the day, it is that bridge, right? It is, if, if I as a consumer need to do it in the middle of the night, you should be able to help me do it. If I as a consumer want to walk into a store and do it, you should be able to help me do it. If I as a consumer want to order online and pick it up somewhere so that it's convenient for me, you should be able to do it. And you can't come back to me and say, oh, we've been working like this for the last hundred years. We are not going to change. Well, then guess what? I am going to continue to change And unlike 100 years ago, I have options today. So long story short, what does digital transformation mean? It means for a company to make the life easier for their customer or their end consumer, whoever they are targeting. It, to me, is an enabler. Now, that enabler can take loads of money or less money. But no matter how cool the technology is, right, at the end of the day, it's serving a purpose. And it sounds... uh, It really, really sounds maybe a dumb down, but in my mind, that makes engineers and technologists like real superheroes of today. You know, not only do they have to do the work, they don't, they have to talk to various multiple technologies, they have to make it all work, but they also have to do it at a really accelerated speed today because the consumer has changed, you know, thanks to the pandemic, right? I I want things now, I want things in the middle of the night. I want you know, free shipping, which as UPS once reminded me, there is nothing called free shipping. Someone's paying for it. So I think the fact, yeah, I have become a five-year-old baby who wants things now, and I don't care how you get it to me, and I want it for free, and I want it at a discount. So this is the person that you're trying to reach, right? And I think technology can help that in terms of scale, in terms of ease, in terms of friction-free moments, all of that. So... So, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but, you know, that to me is the role of digital and digital transformation.
0: What I love about how you define that was you defined it by the outcome. You didn't yeah. define it by the enabling technologies, which is really, yes. really fascinating because a lot of people, they hear the words digital transformation, and they think about agile transformations and operational transformations. But really, the vectors that are all acting on that in in this moment are towards this end of getting to know the consumer more intimately and personalizing their experience. I really like that that discussion. It's always about the outcome, right, Jennifer? Meaning, you know, if it doesn't work for you,
1: why and how should it matter? I don't care how beautiful your technology is. You know, I mean, go put it in Meta or MoMA, or you know, go to a technologist symposium <laughs> or something and get an award for it. But if at the end of the day it doesn't serve a purpose, then I think you've done something for the sake of doing something, right? And I'm sure that has its role and has its place, you know. But at the end of the day, the definition of business is getting products and services, you know, to help the customers or the consumers that the business defines, right? If technology is what we need to do this for now, great. If the store was what was needed before, great. You know, if a website was what was needed, great. All of these are only means to an end of the business serving the customers, right? So that is where I think it's almost like a bandage, the digital transformation that needs to come. So yesterday it was a website, today it could be an app. Tomorrow, it could be a robot. Day after tomorrow, it could be a drone. It doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, if this is not happening. Money is not going to flow in and your business is going to close.
0: So you talked about a couple of brands that you wanted that provided easy examples for you to talk about this kind of, these aspects of digital transformation.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, I, to, one of them was Sephora. Do you want to talk about that? Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I am forever walking into stores because everyone talks about the future of retail. Before I go to Sephora, I should talk about this, you know, because everybody thought stores are going to die, right, during the pandemic, with the <laughs> e commerce took off and malls were going to close down and we were going to make housing complexes out of them. But we all did go back to our malls, right? We went back to our malls and then realized all the reasons why we didn't want to go to the mall, right? There were clothes on the floor. There were people who were serving us who were very upset that we walked into the store. These are middle <laughs> workers, yeah. So we, you know, we, in the two years that the world stood still, I think there's still certain fundamental problems that we have not really addressed, right? So we've not addressed the fact that when you walk into the store, the person is an extension of your brand. That person is not your most, like the most- minimum wage that the person can be paid and is not at the lowest rung of the ladder. Actually, the person is at the highest rung of your ladder. The person is an extension of everything that your brand stands for. And therefore, the way that person behaves, you are going to decide whether you spend money in that store or not, right? When you walk into a mall, you have decided that you're going to spend money. The only thing, and I think that is what differentiates a consumer of today, Jennifer, than yesterday, right? You have decided that you're going to spend money. Right. So every store that you walk out of that you have not spent the money is that loss of that store. And I wish for every person who walked out a KPI that a store would have would be opportunity loss, you know. Oh, you know, this person, Anika, has walked out. On an average, a person like Anika would walk in and spend $250. Guess what? In your opportunity loss, put down that you lost $250. It's going to start hurting you. You're going to start behaving with consumers slightly differently, right? So I've started walking into stores again to see what has changed. What have we learned about customer experience, right, with walking in? How is an interaction and person Uh, you know, different than an interaction, say online, right? Can I use happy hormones to make this person feel so good about driving and finding a place to park and then coming in and, you know, interacting with me? Can I make that moment matter? Can I make that moment count, right? So one of the stories I walk into is Sephora and I have to tell you that in the last few years, my, you know, spending on cosmetics has gone up, I don't know, sixfold. The makeup that actually lands on my face has gone down, dipped significantly because there's no time to get the two together. (laughs) But I'm always trying to see how difficult it is to get a tone right or a shade right. And I'm trying to see how good these, you know, these people are in the store. And there was this one girl I remember who went above and beyond. I said, oh, give me something that, you know, doesn't make me look cakey, but I can just put it on. And the young girl, I think she must have started working there three, four months before she went to the manager to find you know, to get some advice and she came in and all of that. And so I ended up buying, you know, a couple of products. There was a third product that was not available. And she said, oh, can I get it shipped to your house? I said, sure. So she took my details, all of that. While leaving, she gives me this little card. It's the size of a business card. It had a QR code. Oh my God by the way, let's take a pause to, you know, talk about how QR codes are back with a vengeance, you know, yes, it's yes. almost died. Hey, anyway, <laughs> so coming back, right? And that's a whole new topic, but coming back. So she gives me a QR code and she says, oh, by the way, you know, it's a great way to put food, feedback in. And I'm like, okay, so it had her name. I don't know what her name was Rachel or something or whatever. Now she was so lovely that I kept that card and I said, oh, I really should do that feedback. So I remember a few days later, I picked up that card. I was clearing out something. I picked up the card. And I said, oh, feedback. <laughs> you know, I was actually happy. Let me give the feedback. So I take my phone and I scanned it. And imagine I'm feeling so good. And you know, I'm like, oh, this is technology at work. This is awesome, right? I scan it and it opens up the Sephora page and it says, oh, you know, thank you. We are looking forward to your feedback. Please enter the transaction, whatever, whatever, whatever number. Please enter the day that you went to the store or something. Or please enter the name of the person. I'm like, I don't have it. It just assumed the, the the technology was great. And I'm sure when it was sold in some really amazing conference room, it must have sounded awesome, right? So here I am with this QR code and here I am with my phone. And I thought all I needed to do was to say, oh, this is awesome. I bought these things. It was at the store. And I really loved this person, you know, great job. But that technology assumed that I would have my receipt ready. The technology assumed that I would know what I bought. The technology assumed that I would know the day I walked into the store. All of which were, guess what? Great technology. Terrible research. Mm-hmm. How was the experience to the end consumer? Horrible. Who lost out in the end? Not me. Maybe not even the company, but the person who's perhaps review and compensation and bonuses and all of that would have been dependent on great experiences because she is, at the end of the day, representative, gone down the brain. And I have a problem with technology for the sake of technology. I know it's going to make me not a friend of all the technologists out there, but really, at the end of the day, you have to see yourself as saving the world and the end consumer. This is a great example of things not working.
0: Yes. That's what I thought, about. yeah. Uh, you mentioned research, which is of course a pet topic of mine as a researcher. <laughs> but I also am struck by how you're doing field work. What makes oh. you, you know you're sort of going out and investigating firsthand, which I'm sure makes you a really big asset to your clients. But what what kind of research would you would you want to see to correct that? Is it user experience research? Like what kinds of end
1: users? So I've always told people, I said, you know, who does not use the website? The person who's created it. You know who does not use an app? The person who's created it. And that brings me to another story that I wanted to share. You know, we all recently went for a cruise and we, of course, were very scared of, we we love cruises. This was going to be our third cruise. We were looking for a little holiday to take. I have two teenage kids. I thought before they disown me as a mother, we should do something for the summer, you know? But again, we're being careful in, in where we go. And just because it seems like just when you think the pandemic is over, you know, there's another rise, you know, there's another wave of some other variant, right? Because this is so infectious, This particular COVID is so infectious that it keeps morphing itself, right? So we wanted to be a little careful of where we go. So we were looking for something that we went maybe three or four days. And so we recently took a trip uh, on Royal Caribbean. So we used to do carnival. And this was, I have a friend working in Royal Caribbean on another ship. So I said, we'll try it out. And Jennifer, my God, I have to tell you, every time there was a time when, you know, like QR code has come back today. I don't know whether you remember, there was a time when everybody wanted to create an app for everything. (laughs) Like, let's create an app. I remember when I used to work very closely with Google, very closely with Google. I remember they used to say that apps are going to go out of business. And the reason why apps are going to go out of business was because apps was supposed to be the bridge between you know, a great digital experience and one that companies couldn't have, right? So whether it was accelerated mobile pages or whether it was, so till you could get your app together, the app was supposed to help you. But what happened was an app became another thing in your ecosystem, right? So it was, oh, let's do KPS for an app and let's do KPS for a website and let's do KPS for a store. But they didn't realize that Anika goes across, right? So Anika is not saying, oh, it's app time, 22 minutes on the app, right? 18 minutes on the website. This is not how the consumer thinks. So, you know, we went on Royal Caribbean and I, by the way, another aha moment that I had because I'm like, okay, so we are all going to be connected in the middle of the ocean, right? And they're like, no. I'm like, why not? So I call up my carrier and they're like, well, maybe please let you know that at t is the only company that is invested in all those towers when you go into the ocean. And so the only person who can give you that coverage is ATT. I'm like, wow, didn't know that, right? And I'm like, okay, so how do we all keep in touch? It is a Royal Caribbean app. Now, my friend kept telling me the app is really cool, download it. You know, the number of times I've heard that, right? So obviously, I didn't really hear it, right? Because the app is really cool, download it. Oh my God, Jennifer, the app is really cool. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm telling you, I had geeky moments on the ship in the middle of the ocean. So while other people were probably trying to whale watch, I was looking at the
0: app. It was really cool. <laughs> There's we no never stop working, do we? We're always.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no hope because people are like, you know, rolling their eyes out. Like this is a really cool app because a, we were six people, you know, we we were four of us and we had two family members, extended family members. The only way you could decide where you're going to be in on a ship with 5,000 people was the chat on the app. And each person who needed a chat had to pay $2 a day. So we ended up doing whatever, $10, $60 in five days was the what that app earned from us. I don't know too many apps that can make that kind of money, right? right? right. But we were ready to pay it because yeah. it was so easy to say, are you coming for dinner? Are you coming for lunch? Where are you? Oh, we're rock climbing. When are you going to be done with the wave rider? Okay, should we meet for dinner here? Is that okay? What is available on top? Should we go down? It was just so seamless, right? That that $2 was, I'm going to pay for convenience, right? And then, of course, the other things like, oh, at 9 o'clock, this is going to be there. Shall we all meet there? Because we were in different rooms, right? Oh, where are you sitting? I'm sitting on the, you know, we're sitting on the mezz- mezzanine floor. We're on this thing. It was the easiest thing to discover, to explore, to see what entertainment options were there, to chat. And if an average person spend about, $100 on the app in five days. Okay, mm. now we found that 3,000 people, let's just round the figure out, 3,000 people on the ship. Now I'm sure Royal Caribbean app is one of those apps that makes, you know, one of the most profitable apps in the app kingdom. Yes. But again, it was because it served a purpose. So I came back and people were like, how was your holiday? And I'm like, the app really works. <laughs> and I've come back with 10 examples for my company on how to talk about apps that work. Again, this is a great so, so here this technology is technology as an enabler, right? And of course, I might never use the app again after I've come off the you know of the ship. Hopefully, they will use the app to remind me about what an awesome time I had, or pictures, you know, that I have available that I've not bought, or all of that, right? There's so much more they can do after I, you know, come off the ship. But while at the ship, it did the work that it was supposed to do. So coming back to what would I change? I would and not think of a friction moment as raise a ticket for it and we'll solve it. Oh, this thing is glitchy. doesn't go from this page to another. Raise a ticket and we will look into it. No, I want you to use the app with me. I want you to open this website and click on it. I want you to not go into Google Analytics and say, why are 100 people you know, not on this page anymore. I want you to go to the page and take the, and get exhausted with how hideous the process is, especially for B2B companies, you know, and say, but we have now enabled add to cart. Yes, but after I go through 19 hurdles, this is not an engineering exam. This is just someone trying to add something to cart, right? right. So here are just two examples, I think, of amazing technologies, both with great intentions, But one that did the job it was supposed to do, right, and got the money for it. And the other where I think the intention was awesome, but in just step one, it fell through. So, you know, I wanted to share this because, again, to me, it's at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding and the pudding is the consumer
0: yes I want to go back to something you said about the app that it's another principle I think Seth Godin always says you don't need marketing if you have a good experience right yeah he you know if you have a good experience that's the best marketing you need you see and how did you hear about that and what made you adopt it was hearing what other people's experiences with it were right so that's another great principle that I heard in that story well this has been an Absolutely fascinating com- conversation. I'd love to have you on again. Is there any last thing? I always like to say this as a closing question. If you had a magic wand and you could make your business clients make one big change as it pertains to digital transformation or customer experience in this case, what would you ask them to change And, and when you when you think about how people are doing business today and how they could change? I, I would say go back to basics,
1: you know, and sometimes tell this new consumer to shut up. You know, I am that new consumer, right? I mean, I was up till two in the morning uh, online doing things and, you know, thank God, rationality prevailed because otherwise I had added a lot of things to a cart, right? <laughs> but the point is, you know, this new consumer is expecting things to, to delivered right here, right now, in terms of convenience, today I could go to a restaurant, but let me tell you, restaurant sales, meaning people are going into the restaurants, but the amount of times people are doing takeout has also gone up, right? So it's like, you know, that convenience is still available. Why will not I just sit at home and eat the food? Well, because it's not an experience, right? So I think somewhere create, and I've never said this before, so this show is a first, somewhere create friction to almost like, you know, it's like, you know, weaning a baby off a pacifier, right? Somewhere so that you can change the behaviors that do not suit businesses and me, but they were just based on convenience during the last two years of the pandemic, right? So get me used to some of those behaviors again. Let me, give me experiences to go through the experiential of your brand and curate those, nudge me into coming in and interacting with you, right? So that is number one, I would say, come back to basics. Come back to the point of understanding, come back and meet your end consumers. I think what has happened today is that companies have got so styloed, right? The, you know, there are people who are handling digital and the people who are handling IT and the people are in customer experience, the people who are handling, I don't know, B2B and the people, we have all become one person because of the pandemic, right? I work and play in the same place. A lot of that hasn't changed if you look at the future of work, right? People are saying, I want to be home. I was very productive. You know, my network at home works even harder than the network outside. So what can I do? Would you make me come to work when I really need to come there, right? So if I've become the B2B, B2C person at the same time, I've become the person who works from home and who stays where I work the same, you know, the same person, someone will come and meet me. Have a real conversation with Jennifer. Have a real conversation with Anika. You know, walk in to your store. Don't just do a mystery shopper, you know. Walk into a store and see how people are interacting, right? Go through the experience yourself so that you feel how painful it is. And think of these as moments to convert someone forever, right? These are not raise a ticket and we'll get to it moment. Right. Technology at the end of the day is so that you can have a really strong bond with the customers who want you so that they can start loving you and then advocating for you, which is what you spoke about, right? That other people will talk about it. No less and no different than a really great friendship, right? Brands that I love. You spoke about my presence on LinkedIn. One of the things I'm sure, and you know, I, I think people can find me easily on LinkedIn, but one of the things that I I'm fierce about on LinkedIn is the brands that I really matter to me. I have no problem shouting on the rooftops from, right? And that's the kind of love that you want people to do because that's the kind of thing I think. People will come to office for right. It's like, you know, she used a Yankee candle. <laughs> How fierce she was about her apple cider flavor. Well, guess what? I make that apple cider flavor happen you know, so that you can go buy it. Right. So that would what I would say. Come create friction, nudge people so they can come and interact with you. And let's all come back to understanding why we're here in the first place, right? We're here as businesses to serve the needs of those consumers. And no matter whether the B two B or B two C, if we can get Get this right if we can get this right we won't have to worry about foreclosures and chapter 11s and bankruptcies because you've got the basics of business right you know and that is what digital is supposed to enable today so basic as it sounds and fundamental as it sounds i think companies who get it right will be here for the long haul
0: that's awesome, Monica. Thank you again for joining us here today. Please remember to sign up and subscribe to future episodes of Singular XQ. Everybody have a great day. Thank you.